Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Cars.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Hello and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 20. I'm glad and all the folks around the table here, we're all glad to have you with us. Okay, we are surrounded by the top, the cream of the crop of the MotorWeek road testers, road test producer Brian Robinson. Hello. And we've got our writer, Shamit Choksi. Hi, John. And associate producer, Ben Davis. Hello. I was going to say, at least somebody sounds like they're alive this morning. Sorry. Hi, John. Yeah, I know. Shamit's got a cold, so you'll be a little (laughs) muffled this morning. Uh, Coming up on uh, this podcast, we'll have our lightning round, and we'll also look at our MotorWeek mail. But first, we're going to talk about two cars. One's very appealing to the luxury car, and the other is more practical and something that maybe uh, maybe might just be the weirdest-looking little car on the American road right now. Let's start with the Nissan Cube. And and instead of just having one person give their comments, why don't we make this kind of a free-for-all? Who wants to start? I'll start. Okay. If you haven't seen the Sorry. Nissan Cube, kind of describe it for us, Shamit. Well, I mean, it's it, we've seen the Scion XB. We've seen the Element. This takes it to another level. It's just boxy beyond belief. It's a little city car it that's is. up to now basically been sold in Japan. Right. It's it, uh, Unbelievably, it came out 10 years ago. It's been in Japan this entire time while you know Scion and, and Honda came with theirs. But, uh, it, uh, you know, I asked people what they thought of it, and I got responses on either end of the spectrum. Either they liked it very much or they could not stand the sight of it. it. I mean, this is the new generation car, and it's very upright, but yet it's got some curves and asymmetrical-looking glass, things to make it a little stylish. Ben? It's definitely got a Japanese architecture to it. To me, my first thought was it looked like Pac-Man was going to jump out. <laughs> and he was holding some power pellets in the very back. It looked like there a video go. game car to me. <laughs> but when I was driving around, I found that I got the most reaction from the more older, bohemian kind of crowd that was still driving the Volvo. 242 wagon and uh, yeah. thought it was awesome just because it was so square unique and, yeah. and just a, a way off the beaten path and it was something that they might be interested in so I mean, it is a box it was interesting um on the highway though i found it to be a little little a uh, little rough over the uh, highway joints yeah. Anybody else have any? I've driven. I, it's it's cool. I, it makes me feel very old. Just the styling of ah, it makes you I, feel. Yeah, old. I mean, I'm not an old guy, but I kind of feel like a creepy old dude cruising through college campuses or something. I'm somewhere <laughs> where I don't belong, and everyone's kind of giving me the look, like, "Hey, what are you what are you doing here in this car?" But it, it's it's okay to drive. It's certainly a perfect city car. Easy to park. Easy to maneuver. Easy to drive. I hear what Brian's saying. That it is conspicuous. Like you feel like you feel like you're out there like a sore thumb. Yeah. Ben, you're closer to the age group that the uh, car was the, aimed at. Yeah, Ben, you're the how youngest. You, how did you I like driving? I thought I was the same age as all you guys. <laughs> no, but young by heart. That's true. Um, yeah, I felt really strange driving it, too. Um, I, I just felt like I want... It kind of made me feel like I wanted... It felt like a Halloween car to me. Like, I wanted to dress the part of the car. I, I just wanted to dress as awkwardly as I possibly could and drive around this thing just to see how many people looked at me. I can see why it appeals to, you know, younger buyers that want something different, want something stylish, that want something they could add parts to and make unique. It's, it's a cool Do you car. think it will be... It'll start the same kind of cult that the Scion XB did? I think it has a potential for that. I mean, it's certainly very practical, too, and we're forgetting that. It's got a ton of room inside. I mean, it's, you know, it's the, the, the cube, by definition, is the most 
uh, what efficient geometric yeah. shape, and this thing really takes advantage of that. I mean, the rear seats fold down. It's got a large door on the back that you open to load stuff. Uh, you sit very high. What's with the the fuzzy uh, shag rug on the dash? <laughs> Is that for the phone? Uh, I was trying to figure that. I was going to try to put a turntable in there and scratch <laughs> yeah, on my way it's down It's got the this. I mean, I, I know what it's for. It's it's to hold things like phones and so forth. But I mean, that's the thing that strikes you when you get in. Here's this this leftover from the '60s shag rug sitting on top of the dash. Well, if, you, if you peel the rug up and look at the label underneath, it says don't put anything on it. It's it, not intended yeah. to have anything on No, and on I had a phone on it, and if you take a corner too fast, that phone goes flying. So, <laughs> so I think so it's, it's just for decoration. Just for decoration. Right. Right. Interesting. We'll probably get some letters on that one of uh, uses for the shag rug inside the cube. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, let's <laughs> move. <be> interesting. <laughs> well, it's kind of small. Brian. Vacuum cleaner salesman special. It's <laughs> a no. soil sample. Next up, a car that, um, actually two cars, a sedan and a coupe that's gotten a lot of play already in the press. And I know that Brian Robinson uh, has been very impressed with it. And that's the Mercedes-Benz E-Class, the new generation. Fill us in. Yeah, obviously this is uh, kind of their most important car. You know, obviously it's not their flagship, like the S-Class or any of those. That's uh, certainly not their entry level model. It's it's what everyone thinks of when they think of Mercedes sedan, the E class. I'm sure in this country it's their volume car. Ninth imagine. generation, I heard. Yeah. Ninth in a commercial, Ninth. right? Yeah. But it's all about the technology. Uh, you know, obviously styling's an uh, important part, but it's got more technology than the even their flagship S class. Everything you could think of. I mean, it really does seem to have all the safety features and comfort features, at least available, that you can get on the S class plus a couple of new ones. Yeah, I think the new newest thing is uh, keeping a wake assist or something like that. Yeah. Wake <laughs> assist, I think, and it basically monitors all the functions, and it can tell. You know, if you haven't pressed a button in a while, or you know, if you haven't adjusted your speed in a while, that you might be, you know, getting drowsy. So between that and the lane keep assist, you know, it monitors how you're positioning the car in the lane. If you start to wander around a little bit, it kind of beeps at you and yells at you like, hey, you know, wake up. Yeah, that's becoming fairly common. I, I was struck by the styling, both pro and con. You know, they've done away with the oval headlights. They've now got sort of angular-like headlights again. And uh, so the front end is a little—I mean, the grille still is Mercedes, but the light treatment is certainly different. The rear, though, is— Bland to me, at least on the sedan, uh, it just didn't look like it's got, had this much character in the past. Well, I, I don't know if they w- would agree with you on that or not. I'm sure they probably yeah. wouldn't. <laughs> I think they definitely tried to make it, you know, less conservative and you know a little more stylish. The front end, I think, is yeah. pretty interesting looking. It's and and along the side, they've got a lot more in the way of body creases and character yeah, lines, lines yeah. Uh, than they've used, especially with the rear wheels. On, on the tech end, did they have the? Um, where did you drive this, Brian? In Germany. Okay. Yeah. So, did Spain. they have the dual um, uh, nav interface where the passenger can watch, say, a movie, and the driver would watch the nav screen? Yeah, yeah. In Europe, I don't know if that's no, you can't. Our, I don't think that's not going to come here. No. Yeah, but they've got a. Although probably somebody will retrofit their car to have they've it. They've got the nav screen, but then they've also got a big uh, screen in the gauge cluster. And you can send stuff back and forth between the two. Right. The S-Class had that, too. I didn't know if that made its way down right. And I really like that feature because, um, really, the the Chrysler Pacifica was the only other vehicle that ever had the nav screen inside the gauge cluster. And I thought it made perfect sense because you didn't have to look away from, uh, you know, the gauges in the road, basically, to see something on the nav. I remember you were the president of that fan club. You talked about that all the time. But uh, (laughs) it didn't didn't catch on. I mean, it was kind of like a blip on the radar, but then so was the vehicle itself. 
uh, just like previous uh, E-classes, you've got a V6 and a V8 you can choose from. All-wheel drive, uh, optional in the uh, V6. And there's a 50-state um, uh, diesel coming. Coming, yeah, in about a year. What about the coupe? Any big uh, differences between the coupe and the sedan besides the body style? Um, I haven't really I haven't driven the coupe yet, but uh, from what I hear, uh, they're very similar. It looks uh, a little sportier. I'm wondering, what about the driving experience of the E-Class? Did you find that, I mean, traditionally the BMW 3 Series has been sportier, considered sportier than the Mercedes E-Class. You think that's continued? Yeah. I think it's continued. I think they maybe bridged the gap a little bit. It's you know certainly not a boring car to drive, and there's different packages, different suspension tunings you can get so uh you know you can get a super uh, soft ride it's a heavy car yeah i mean they added uh i don't know a couple hundred pounds i think to the body structure yeah, it, and it feels i wouldn't say it feels that built like it's heavier but built to last. <laughs> it just feels substantial and solid it feels like it's a car that's gonna last forever did they say anything about a hybrid of, of this coming out i think there's a diesel hybrid that they're working on okay. right I, they I, are. I think that's way down the road i don't yeah. think that's anything right Coming. At this point, the the next hybrid, I guess, is going to be in the uh, one of the, in the uh, people movers in the ML class that they've got. It's you know, pricing wise, it's not you know uh, mid fifties, I guess, to start mm-hmm. where it's going to be, which pretty high entry point. But it's a car you spend that much on it, and you don't you don't feel like you got ripped off. I mean, you feel like you know, you feel like it's I, worth w- it. I wonder if they're considering bringing in a. A less expensive but not small car for the U.S. Below the C? Yeah, mean? below the, the uh, C. I mean, really. they got the C. Both the C and the E have been creeping up in price. Right. Well, anyway, so you think it's a worthy successor to uh, the E-Class Heritage? Yeah, no doubt. Okay. So, uh, thumbs up from, from Brian Robinson on the new E-Class. And I'm not sure about the Q. Do we thumbs up or down or sideways? Um, There's a new position. I think we should put the thumb in. (laughs) (laughs) I like the sideways. Sideways. Thumbs at 10 and 2. Thumbs at 10 and 2. All right, let's go to our lightning round. And now this is where uh, everybody gets to basically share their opinions. And uh, we'll have uh, two minutes uh, for the debate uh, for each person. And when we get to that two minutes, you will hear this. Annoying bell. Annoying bell. Bell, our producer Michelle Parker back there, basically manning the bell. Uh, here is the uh, question, and uh, Shami, why don't we start with you? Right. Wow. With the summer travel season in full swing, and many folks traveling long distance by car, maintenance is important. But what exactly is the value of routine maintenance? And I guess we have two minutes for all of us, so start, and then we'll just uh, all chime in. I mean, to me, this is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, isn't routine maintenance? I've always been a believer that you know you take care of the take care of things that you have, and a car needs that TLC. But Americans don't do that. No, they don't. And um, I, I, you know, you have to wonder if the shelf life of vehicles in this country could be. Oh, no, sure. You know, I mean, uh, man, manufacturers Absolutely. that do routine maintenance, their cars usually do last longer. It truly is a little now or a lot later. Absolutely. And yeah. peace of mind is worth a lot of money. I mean, you don't want to, if you're driving 800 mile trip or something, you don't want to be driving down the road worrying about your car. You know? yeah, I mean, Especially I, as you get older, the more people you have in your car, you pick up a wife and kids and to have a car breakdown <laughs> on a long trip with a wife and kids in it. Believe me, it's not worth it. <laughs> no, I, it's happened to me, uh, but it wasn't routine maintenance that would have saved the day. But generally speaking, I just came back from a trip up to the Northeast, and, you know, there's saw four or five broken down cars on the side of the road. I'm always amazed at the amount of cars. Yeah. And, you know, and they're not necessarily any one brand. You right. Know? But, yeah, you're on a... 
you know, a long trip and you'll see this car, you know, alongside the interstate. And you're like, what made that guy think that he could drive that car? Right. Oh, you mean hundreds <laughs> of miles that he's trying to drive that thing. Right. And you see the family standing there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically, at least today with cell phones, you can probably get some help. But uh, usually, often you see somebody with a gas can or something or an oil, you know, some kind of a container walking in the wrong direction towards uh, a, a more, non-existent more exit. expensive than it ever has been, too, to, uh, to get hooked up and towed somewhere. Oh, I bet it is. Now. If you're going on a long trip, spend the uh, time and the money to get the car looked at beforehand. And there's the bell. And uh, aptly timed. Okay, let's go on now to our MotorWeek mailbag. And uh, if you have a question that you'd like to have answered on a podcast, uh, go to our website at www.motorweek.org. Or you can also go to uh, pbs.org slash motorweek. Uh, You can submit your question. If chosen, you will receive a free MotorWeek T-shirt. We won't even make you pay for handling, right? Very nice. Okay. Here's, well, no, we're not going to make you pay for handling. Here's our question, and this one's from Sal. Um, Are those tire sprays to make the tires look glossy and wet harmful to the tires? A car exterior paint may be so shiny and fresh looking for years, but all these come to naught if the tires have lost their luster or that new look appearance. So uh, tire shines, uh, opinions, does it hurt anything? You know, I don't scientifically know if it hurts anything or not, but I've been taking the gamble for the last 15 years. <laughs> and I've done it for, for a lot longer than that. Um, somebody mentioned Armor All. Uh, you know, if you do it, moderation, you can't spray any of this stuff on the tires and let it build up. Uh, Certainly uh, keep them away from motorcycle tires. That would be a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. I only put tire dressing on the treads itself, and it seems to wear out very quickly. I'm not <laughs> sure. Brian, I'm not sure why that would possibly be. But you bring up a good point. Anything you spray on the tire, if you do it lightly, is going to wash off probably after you know a few rainstorms and you reapply it. Uh, but uh, you don't want, as someone mentioned before we uh, started the podcast, you don't want that buildup. Uh, the old tire blacks used to turn brown. Yeah, after a while. You see cars that, you know, their tires aren't even black anymore. They're just, I remember yeah. I had, I had a, a friend of mine had a Corvette, and he had just put so much of this stuff on the tires. And it was a, a maroon car with brown tires. It was very odd looking. But that's just a cosmetic thing. Certainly no safety. Uh, it's not going to wear the tire down or anything. I don't think so. Yeah, the biggest problem with tires is, of course, that they just get old from oxidation. You know, 10-year-old tires, uh, sometimes they crack on the sidewall, sometimes they don't. But, you know, when a tire gets 8 to 10 years old, you yeah. just got to be aware that it probably needs to be replaced. So, uh, so certainly the friction is a tire. The moral of the enemy. story is what? If you like the way it looks, use it. Just don't go nuts with it. I think that's probably good advice for life, don't yeah. you? There you go. <laughs> okay, guys, I think that brings us to the end of our MotorWeek podcast number 20. Uh, as usual, I'd like to thank all the people that uh, make this possible, including sitting here in our studio, Brian Robinson, Shamit Choksi, and Ben Davis, our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and over at the bell, producer Michelle Parker. Thanks very much for listening, and join us here and on the air for more Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Cars.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.